be prepared for people not to necessarily want to date a sober person. And that's what it is. I, I can't even sugarcoat that for you. And then also be prepared for people who say, say that they are cool with it. But reality is that they're not. They'll say it to your face and then you go out and it's like, oh wait, psst, you, you're, you're serious. You're, you're serious. You're actually, you're actually not gonna drink. But I like to see it as a natural filter. Honestly, it's like the trash took itself out. Like I don't even have to waste time anymore guessing or second guessing people's intentions. Like you just, if you just wanna fuck me, bro, say that. Um, and at this point, <laughs> I haven't had sex in so long. I might just be like, cool. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Sober Butterfly Podcast, your favorite resource for sober fun, travel, and inspo. I'm Nadine Movida, and this week's episode, we are talking about all the things we wish we knew before getting sober. I myself curated a list of things I wish I knew, but I also asked some people on Instagram to share, like, what is it that you wish you had known going into this? Would it have affected or changed your decision to get sober? I think everyone would take something away from this episode, so you want to stick around. Okay, the first thing is pretty obvious. Alcohol, it's everywhere, okay? It's pretty unavoidable. I personally think it's America's favorite pastime, honestly. But I, I wish that I had recognized just how prevalent it is in our society. Not because it would have changed my decision to get sober, but I wish I had known how much alcohol was sort of like integrated into the very fabric of our lifestyle like the way in which we operate and just how common it comes up so like okay let's break it down you have the common spots right you have your obvious booby traps we'll call them right they say in early sobriety you have to be extremely mindful about people places things so what do you do you change up your routine you want to promote this idea of sobriety so you're not going to be going to the bar you're not going to be hanging out with that friend who you know you used to binge drink with you're not going to you know go to your favorite wine shop just to say hello to the employees. These are obvious giveaways, but I think the more like, I'll call them dangerous, um, traps are the ones in which you don't expect it to come up. And I think it's important to name that because it can serve as a trigger in some ways if you are unaware, right? So I'll give you a good example. The other day I was at work, I was in a team meeting, so it was a group of people and we were just sort of like sharing what we did from the weekend. And one of my colleagues thought it was not only appropriate, but it was just like normal to say how she was getting ready to go to her brother's wedding and was really excited. And her daughter was going to be the flower girl and her son would be the ring bearer. And so she was like talking to her kids about like this upcoming obligation that they have, right? And then I think it was her daughter asked her, mommy, like, I'm going to be the flower girl. He's going to be the ring bearer. What are you going to be? And my coworker turned to her daughter, her two-year-old daughter, and said, mommy's going to be drunk. And everyone burst out laughing in the meeting. And she said that her daughter, her two-year-old, and her son, her four-year-old, thought it was hilarious. And I was just like, (laughs) like, am I hearing that correctly? So not only do your kids know what that means, like, and she was like, yeah, they know exactly what that means. Um, but like, we thought that was like an appropriate work story to share. And here's the thing. Um, it may sound like I'm passing judgment and maybe I am a little bit low key, but it's just 
the way it's so normalized, like that wasn't a place in which I expected that to come up, you know, in a public meeting and for it to be like a light conversation talking piece. I, I, I was just sort of like taken aback is what I'm trying to say. Like really not trying to pass judgment, but like that just serves as a perfect example for me um, and for potentially you, right? Like in work environments, whether you're in corporate or retail or you know, the medical field even, it's like when people debrief their weekend or when people talk about upcoming plans with excitement, it is normalized to be like, hey, I'm going to be shit-faced. Like, that's not out the norm. That's not uncommon to hear. So yeah, drinking is everywhere. It's very much integrated into the fabric of our culture. And if you, now this is a great segue, right? So if you decide to remove yourself from that toxicity, if you decide to take another route, if you decide that you no longer want to, you know, consume the blue pill, that's a matrix reference, right? You want to take the red pill, you're, you've been unplugged. It is very jarring. It can be really like strange. All of the different anecdotal ways in which it shows up in our everyday life. In early, early days of sobriety, you were hyper aware and hypersensitive to these things. So I'm just putting that out there because it's like unavoidable, essentially. You're not going to be able to avoid conversations around alcohol and drinking. You're not going to be able to avoid seeing it everywhere. You're not going to be able to avoid the consumption, even if you're not consuming it, consuming it, taking a bottle, putting it to your mouth. The consumption can just be from watching TV. Another good example of this is White Lotus. I love the show White Lotus. I recommend it. It's hilarious. It's so entertaining. It's great TV. The second season in particular, and even the first one, but like the most recent season, every single episode they're drinking and it does glamorize alcohol. And so I, in certain cases, like I don't want to say, I don't want to use the T word. I don't want to say I felt like completely triggered watching the show, but it did make me feel like, damn, like I wish I could just like have a little something. You know, like I like they're reaching for their glass of Prosecco or whatever, and I'm sipping on my sparkling whatever beverage. And like I said, I'm not fantasizing, romanticizing this idea of drinking again, but it does bring me back to a place in time in which when I would go on vacation, that would very much be the aesthetic I was going for, right? Like I want to be fabulous in Italy with a glass of rosé, but not just a glass because we know or if you've been watching or listening to the show, you know by now that I don't know how to moderate. So it would be several glasses, several bottles of whatever. Next thing you know, I'm blackout poolside. So I just want to name that because, you know, I think the more knowledge you have, the more power you have. And it's just something I wish I had known going into my sobriety. And in talking to other people, they also admit and say like, yeah, it's just comes up everywhere and you get to a certain point in time where you recognize that like it's not bothersome to you it's almost like sad I'm just gonna be honest like it can be a little sad and I think that's a good reference back to like my colleague's example like I'm really not judging her or her you know parenting I'm not a parent um but it is a little sad for me that like a two-year-old already knows that mommy's going to be drunk and like that's something that she accepts and finds funny because mommy's laughing about it and apparently everyone else in the meeting was laughing too and I'm the only one that's like that's weird that's not funny the second thing that I wish I had known going into my sobriety is related to relationships with others if you're sober you've heard this you will lose friends in sobriety 
And I don't know if it's just because those friends are people who cannot accept and embrace this new version of you, this sober 2.0 version. I'm not sure if it's because it may place a strain on the relationship because if that was like your drinking buddy or if the only common denominator you and that person had was really like getting fucked up together, then it's a mirror. I think it serves as almost like a mirror, right? Like I'm projecting. Whether it's intentional or not, it's like, oh, well, if she's not drinking and that was my drinking buddy, what does that mean for me? And so people personalize that experience for themselves. You know, there's a whole host of why relationships deteriorate after you become sober. Maybe you were in an abusive relationship, um, whether that be romantic or platonic, but you were just in a situation that was toxic. And then once you've removed the toxic, the toxic substance, you recognized that you deserved different or better, um, or the person envies you because you've chosen to take the high road. I don't want to spend too much time psychoanalyzing why relationships fall apart, but I bring up this point about relationships changing, not just to echo all of the things we already know, but how can I, how can I put this? I'm a pretty impatient person. I'm a pretty black and white thinker. To break that down for you, my patience was thin with other people. I did not want to waste time explaining my sobriety too much to people. Um, and I, this is also the black and white thinking in me. I'm like, you're either with me, like you're on my team or you're not. And if you're not, kindly go kick rocks. Like that is, that was, and somewhat still is, my mentality when it comes to personal matters and serious matters like my sobriety. But I bring this up because like that clearly could be a divide, right? Like going back to my first point here, which is just like, okay, you lose friends. Okay. I'm very good about washing my hands clean to people. Um, too good at it. Snip, snip, bye-bye. But I don't think I necessarily think it through. So that's the impulsivity coming out, right? And then I won't say necessarily I regret it because I think people come into your life for reasons, seasons. But like, I think sometimes I could give people more grace. So going with this theme, right? I, the point I'm trying to make here is give people a grace period. It can be not just a huge change and life shift for you but also for those around you. I was hypersensitive. I wanted everyone to just celebrate my sobriety. And I do think that's what good friends and good people do in your life. They celebrate your victories. And I think getting sober is a victory. But going back to this idea that like people personalize sometimes the experience and it can be a grieving period for them, um, not just for you. So I definitely grieved alcohol. Like that was like, that was like, I see it as a toxic ex, right? Like I was in a really bad relationship for way too long, for many, many years with this substance. And so when I had to finally sever ties, it was a grieving period. And I gave myself that grace and I gave myself that space to grieve. I think it's fair to extend that same energy and courtesy to those around you who want to be there for you, who want to still be friends, still have that relationship with you, but may not know how to operate, may not know how to proceed, may not know how to be a good friend to you um, because of their own inner workings or because you've switched up. If anything, like they're still the same, 
you're the one that's different. You're the one that's embarking on this new journey. And so they may want to come along for the ride, but they just may not know how to actually hop on the train. I'm going to go with this analogy. Also, a train went by. <laughs> you may not have heard that. Something I wish I had known is relationships will change. Some of them change because they just deteriorate and it's not worth salvaging. But also recognizing that relationships need time and they go through seasons and not everything needs to be a complete loss or or write-off, which I'm guilty of. And maybe this is more a me thing. If, you exper- if you've experienced something similar, I don't like to ever use the word regret, but, you know, I have some things that I wish I would have done differently in terms of, like, how I maneuvered in relationships because of my sobriety, right? Like, I think just in the beginning when you're sober, no matter the reason for getting sober, it's just a sensitive time for you because you no longer have alcohol as your coping mechanism. If I was pissed at someone, for example, not even pissed, you know, like sometimes you just like feel like the relationship is just weird. It's not like where it was or there's just energy that's off. I would just drink about it. Like I wouldn't like take the time to speak on it. I wouldn't take the time to address the the unspoken, the elephant in the room in that relationship, I would just sort of like drink and then forget about it. Quote unquote, forget about it. We know we don't really forget about it, but you know where I'm going with it. Once you remove that coping mechanism of being able to just drink and quote unquote, forget, then you either address it with the person or you don't, but it's just less room for you to lie to yourself and pretend that things are going the way you want them to. Um, One more note on relationships changing. So I'm going to throw d- dating. I need to do a full episode on dating, but here's the truth. I haven't really been dating. I haven't dated in over 14 months. Just this past weekend was out in the streets and I met a ton of guys. I know there's something going on in the universe. I mentioned last week on last week's podcast episode that I'm doing Gabby Bernstein's 21 Day Manifesting Challenge. This is by no means sponsored by Gabby, but Gabby, if you're listening, um, thank you so much. But I set my intention. It wasn't even about love. It was sort of just more about like opening the channels and like being just open to like whatever the universe wants to dump on my doorstep. But I say all that to say that it's been... Okay, dating will change. I want to do a full episode on dating, but just be prepared. Something I wish I had known is that people, depending on who you want to date, be prepared for people not to necessarily want to date a sober person. And that's what it is. I, I can't even sugarcoat that for you. And then also be prepared for people who say, say that they are cool with it, but reality is that they're not. They're just not. They're just, like, not cool with it. Like, they'll say it to your face, and then you go out, and it's like, oh, wait, psst, you, you're, you're serious. You're, you're serious. You're actually you're actually not going to drink. Um, but I like to see it as a natural filter. Honestly, it's like the trash took itself out. Like, I don't even have to waste time anymore guessing or second-guessing people's intentions. Like, you just, if you just want to fuck me, bro, say that. Um, and at this point... <laughs> I haven't had sex in so long. I might just be like, cool. Dating is awkward. Sex is awkward. In the beginning, you know, when you're just doing it for the first time and you're going on that first date or you're hooking up with someone officially for the first time, it's awkward. And we, I won't say we, I'm not going to include you in this. Myself, very much used alcohol as a, like as a icebreaker. I can count on one hand of a small number of times. Have I had sex with someone for the first time sober? And if I'm being, you know, I was, I was trying to, I was trying to be, 
I gotta be honest with you guys. I will extend that. I'm gonna raise one and say, like, not even first time, period. Like, even, you know, I was in long-term relationships. I've been in longer-term relationships, situationships, and I used to be blazed. I used to be completely fucked up having sex. So I need to work through those things. Clearly, I've 100% had more drunk hookups than sober hookups. I can probably count on one hand how many times I've had sex sober. Completely sober. Completely, like, nothing in me. And I enjoy sex. It's not like I'm using it to necessarily... Or maybe, I don't know. I don't think I'm using it to mask, like not wanting to have sex or, like, being afraid to have sex. But it's definitely linked to insecurities, like, whether it be physical, whether it's the connection not being there. And that's why I'm sober now, because, like, I'm just not being able to, like, force these connections with people if they're just not organically there. Um, And also, like I said, like, a lot of guys just don't necessarily want to date a sober girl. And they're entitled to that. That's cool thanks for being honest. I don't like the ones who, like, pretend they're cool with it, and then, like, you know, a few weeks down the line, it's like, yeah, are you really sober, though? Like, you're never gonna drink? Like, it's like, dude, I told you this already. Like, why are we, why are we still talking about this? Dating is different. I'm not gonna say it's hard. I don't want to ruin that for you. Like, you may have a different experience. You may already be in a relationship. I'm not speaking from a space or a place where it's like I was in a relationship and then got sober. I have heard that people people's relationships change. Like if you're in a committed relationship and then you get sober and your spouse doesn't or your partner doesn't, like that can, I'm sure, create a, I don't want to say rift, but that can be something that may take some adjustment to giving, like I said, people grace. Um, But yeah, if you have experiences similar to mine or different, I'd love to hear. I'm always looking for more data. I'm always looking to hear people's experiences just from my standpoint from my personal background like I've just haven't been dating very much but like I said I went out this weekend I feel like I have viable candidates that I can potentially connect with about this very topic to be continued okay that's the point I'm trying to make I'm, I want a boyfriend this year like I really like I'm gonna put that out there I'm just gonna be real I'm gonna claim it I want a man he doesn't have to be sober but he has to respect my sobriety okay so we've looked at like sort of a macro level like drinking being everywhere things I wish I knew in regards to like what it's like to function as a sober person in society um then we looked at like more personal relationships with other people so like kind of more of a micro level people that you know people that you may want to get to know if you're dating per se um giving people grace that deserve it. Not everyone, by the way, deserves that grace. And now I want to talk more personal. So I want to talk about you. Your relationship with self will change and for the good. I promise you it will be for the good. And I wish I had known that sooner because darn it, I would have gotten, I would have gotten sober years ago had I known it was going to be this good. Truly. And if you're new in sobriety, there is something known as a pink cloud effect. Um, I think that natural high, that euphoria of just like removing this depressing substance, literally categorized as a depressant from your life can be like really exciting and new. And you're just like, oh my God, sobriety is the best thing that has ever happened. And I cannot believe it. That was a phase, right? Pink cloud effect is a phase. It's not forever. Just in terms of like how my relationship with myself changed, I got... I got honest with myself. I wasn't very good with that before. I was very good at masking. I was very good at lying to other people and, but mainly to myself. And it's like, if I just tell myself this, 
then it will be true. There's only so long you can lie to yourself before it catches up with you. Lying to myself in, in terms of the extremeness of like, okay, well, I don't have, for example, disordered eating. You know, I don't have a problem with this. I don't have a problem with that. Like everything will work itself out. But it, no, it won't. <laughs> if you don't make the changes, things are not going to work itself out. Like the natural progression will be you're going to not be on the course you want to be on. So once I got sober, I had to get more honest with myself about the state of my life and work through that. My self-esteem also dramatically improved getting sober. So I realized before sobriety, I had no self-worth. I was I was worthless. I'm being honest and I'm not being dramatic here. I did not believe that I deserved true love. And I certainly did not truly love myself. I think I've said this before. I'll say it again. The love you seek, you should give to yourself. Constantly seeking attention from men, um, even if it was negative, you know, constantly looking for them to validate my worth, usually by physical means, like making myself as small as possible. You know, I want to just look as good as I can because maybe that will capture his attention and sustain it. I'm interested in all of his interests, like that kind of thing, like making myself into different versions of myself to please whoever I was seeing at that time. It not working out ever because you're not being your authentic self. (laughs) And whether people can put it, like name it and put a finger on it, they feel it. Like I definitely, I'm not going to blame any of the guys I was with. Like they probably knew I was bullshit, you know? I wish I had known that I would, exponentially grow in self-worth. And it's not necessarily that just because I got sober, like all of a sudden I love myself, but um, my standards for myself rose and not only did they rise, but I met them. So, okay, like my biggest thing was like, I'm going to stop drinking. And so when you quit drinking, you have more free time, right? Like you're just not making terrible decisions all the time, or at least I wasn't. Um, based off of the level of drinking I was doing. So I had more time to devote and invest into things that would actually bring me a return. Like this podcast, for example, never would have done this if I was still drinking. You know, we hear of all of these physical advantages to sobriety, clearer skin, maybe weight loss, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's great. That that does also help with your self-confidence. But the reality is, you know, I look good before too. Like that, that didn't necessarily play a role in how I saw myself. You see yourself for who you are when you feel whole with who you are. And if you see yourself less than, you will always be less than. I think when you do the impossible or when you feel like you do the impossible, it's definitely not impossible to quit drinking. But when it feels like you've done the impossible, that's just a boost of self-confidence right there. It's like, well, what else can I do? If I did that, like, wow, I'm amazing possibilities are limitless. And I think that also played a role. What changes, if you're sober, what changes did you recognize with yourself, with your relationship with self? This has been my favorite, my favorite part of sobriety. Like just how I feel about me and being good with me, you know? Like I really don't need anyone else. Like I'm a social person, like yeah, I'll hang out with people, but like I'm good with me. I'm cool. Just like hanging out on a Friday night on my couch or in bed watching a movie. You know, I really don't need to seek validation from external forces anymore. Um, I was doing a lot of those types of things out of insecurity, going out 
spending money I didn't have to buy a new outfit and then Uber here and Uber there and buy the bar and go to dinners, elaborate dinners I couldn't afford and like all the things like, you know, none of that stuff gave me any real joy and certainly not waking up in a place I didn't intend to because <laughs> I got too faded, you know, like that was just, oh, it's like such a perpetual cycle and I'm so thankful that I no longer have to do that. Your relationship with self will change for the better. I promise. Okay, there you have it. Those are the things I wish I knew before getting sober. And like I said, I hope I didn't scare you. I mean, all of that is just like a culmination of things that I've experienced. Once again, it is not an exhaustive list, but in talking to other people, I know they've had similar awakenings or experiences. Wanted to be honest, wanted to share. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you have any questions or suggestions, or if you want to come on the show even, like I always say this and people never hit me up about this. I mean it. If you are an avid listener and you want to just chit chat, come on the show. I'd love to have you. I reach out to certain people and I'm actually going to have a woman who founded an amazing Black-owned, alcohol-free wine and spirit company called Wine Not. She's incredible. Her name is Ashley. I'll have her on next week. I'm excited to bring that episode to you guys. But yeah, going back to the point I was making, if you want to come on the show, like by all means, don't feel like you have to have a million followers. You can come on. I'm always happy to just talk to people who are sober or sober curious. Don't forget, I have a YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to that. New episodes drop every Tuesday. I love you guys so much and have a great week. Bye.